podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello everyone and welcome back to Rival Recon here on Anfield Index Pro. I'm Harry Sethi. As the dust continues to settle on Liverpool's historic 7-0 demolition of Manchester United last weekend, the Reds head to the seaside this Saturday as they take on relegation-battling Bournemouth. With three points being enough to jump back into fourth place, the Reds have all the incentive they need to continue their momentum ahead of a trip to Madrid and the international break. Joining me on the pod today to share his views on what's been a difficult season for Bournemouth, but one that could well see the side avoid relegation given how tight the table is at present. I'm delighted to welcome back lifelong Bournemouth fan, Neil Grover. Welcome, Neil. Hello. Uh, thanks Thanks for having me. No, you're good to speak with you again. I, 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 I must admit, um, I'm as looking at the fixture list uh, and I was looking at... Um, sort of um, the last time the two clubs have played together. And it, it will sound like arrogance uh, and things like that, but I, I genuinely um, did not recall the 9-0. Uh, and uh, the, 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 the fact that the two sides are meeting uh, after Liverpool obviously scored seven against Manchester United and also in the same week, uh, well, in the same number of days, Scott Parker finds himself sacked from the, the job as Bruges manager uh, it feels sort of awfully sort of strange, to be honest. Um, but before before we go into any of those things, to be to be frank, I I, I just wanted to ask you um, for your thoughts, your sort of overarching thoughts, I guess, on on the season to date, um, which you know started off in turbulent fashion with Scott Parker, you know, sort of speaking publicly yeah. about the fact that he thought the side was under um, stocked, ill-equipped for the Premier League, and then of course that heavy defeat did see the end of his. His time as Bournemouth coach, even though I think his his point yeah. remains correct, uh, and uh, since then, of course, um, yeah, the team has sort of leveled out a little bit. But I just want to get your thoughts as to sort of how the new manager's done, and just your thoughts really on sort of the campaign um, as a whole so far. Sure. So I think that the sort of summary of the of the season so far has really been one of change and uh, sort of changing of the guard for us. So uh, to, to give Liverpool fans a bit of uh, uh, background that they may not know, uh, we've had a, a long term uh, owner, Maxim Denim, who has been with us for probably the best part of 10 years now. Uh, and this summer uh, has recently decided to, to move on from the club. Uh, and we've now got a new owner, uh, Bill Foley, who is uh, an American owner who who's sort of a serial sports investor. He owns um, Vegas Golden Knights uh, in the NHL, for example. Uh, so that that's sort of a real key factor in this season. And uh, I, I do think that perhaps has led to 
some of Parker's comments. Um, I do think when we came up, there was a little bit of surprise that we didn't invest as much as perhaps people uh, thought we might. So uh, in the summer, we, we we made a couple of free transfers. And then the sort of key uh, signing where we spent money really was uh, Marcos uh, Sanisi from uh, Feyenoord um, off the top of my head. And um, that, that was a little bit, I guess, underwhelming. Normally, when you come into the Premier League, and particularly when you had the backdrop of what Forrest were doing, uh, you know, and I appreciate why they do that. But, uh, you know, we were kind of sat there uh, in, in sort of Oliver style. Please, sir, can we have some more? Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to AnfieldIndex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. Um, but obviously we didn't know that was all happening. Now, uh, since since then, we obviously were very active in January, brought in a lot of players, um, mostly young players for the future as well. So, uh, you know, that, that, that sort of change has happened. And I think that was un, uh, that that was part of why Parker said what he said after after the Liverpool result. Um, I, I do think a lot of there was a lot of criticism at the time that oh, why are you sacking him after that result? You know, you went to Anfield. What did you expect? Sort of situation. Um, but it wasn't really because of that. There was a, a lot of some of the negativity and things that he was bringing to the club. I think kind of uh, showed himself the door. Um, since then, we've had Gary O'Neill, who who started off actually quite well. Uh, he he, we were unbeaten uh, outside of the top six uh, for a, for a good stretch of time uh, until I think we played Southampton, uh, which was just before the World Cup, so I think end of October, yeah, yeah. early November, uh, and we had some good results. Like we went to the City Ground and uh, and and overcame a two nil deficit to win three two, which was a really big result for us at the time because we really were struggling um, at the start and then from there we've kind of meandered a little bit uh, from a personal point of view I don't think O'Neill was the right appointment I think he did very well in that initial uh, caretaker point of view but I just think his inexperience is showing through quite a lot this season uh, one of the you know we you only have to look at last weekend against Arsenal where he perhaps his inexperience lost us that match now Arsenal are a tour de force this year so perhaps you couldn't have you know even at 2-0 up you maybe expect Arsenal to come back and get 2-2 but to kind of turtle and let them win from that I think is um, you know it, it is disappointing from the manager but um, yeah, and I think he, we've now at a point again where perhaps he's under a little bit of pressure. There was a lot of uh, po- there was a lot of criticism of him just after the World Cup in sort of January, 
but the board has clearly made a decision to back their man rightly or wrongly uh, uh, to going forward with with these signings i think we spent near, close to 80 million in january yeah and i was going to say it's a pretty night and day from uh, what we'd seen in the summer window uh, mm-hmm. what had been the, so i suppose the noticeable changes in approach then since uh, since the new manager's come in uh, i mean the, we, I, think, I think we spoke beforehand about parker's approach but what have been the changes from the new manager so he really started by uh, instilling kind of, uh, and, and this is something that a lot of interim managers do, is they go back to basics. So what he started to do was um, sort of, right, how do we make ourselves a bit more defensively stable? Um, which I know when you look at the league table perhaps sounds a bit a bit strange uh, when we're sat here on minus 27 goal difference, although uh, a lot of that is is thanks to you guys. Um so uh, that that was the real thing he did first. And then I think he started letting the players just kind of play like adults. I think Parker at times really tried to shoehorn people into the wrong places. Um, I'm very much of the opinion that we were promoted last year in spite of Parker, not because of Parker. Uh, and I think, to be like you said, that has now shown that He's also not done the job at Bruges. <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, I think that was what he, what O'Neill sort of brought initially. I do think we're now at a place, a place where he's very good at setting up games. So we te- you tend to see we do very well for the first 60 minutes. However, when you get an experienced manager that, uh, that makes changes, perhaps around about that hour mark, that's when... He, he's not so good at reacting to that. And that's when we then seem to get in these positions where we've lost uh, three times now this season from being 2-0 up. Yeah, no, it's, it's, I think it's, uh, it's inexperience that shows, I think, in this, uh, in, 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 in this league, there's lots of very good coaches and sort of the quality of the players as well, often yeah. sort of, uh, yeah, if, if, if you're not streetwise or sort of a bit, a bit wise to sort of the way to stay in games at, at any cost, it can, can really punish you. So in terms of the players that you think have actually, during what's been a turbulent season, actually stood up and yeah, can be proud of their performances so far, who, who have they been in? And has, have any of the new signings, uh, or I, mean, I know that sort of minimal work was done in the summer window, but have any of the new signings impressed in terms of, sort of how they've settled, even some of the ones that you've only seen for a matter of a, a matter of a few weeks? Sure. So I, I think there's been a, a real mix of, uh, unfortunately, we've, we've lost a couple of the uh, key, the members I thought would be key members of this squad due to injury, which has kind of meant that people have had to perhaps come through quicker than I would have liked um, as a fan. But in terms of the, the January signings in particular, uh, I think uh, Dango uh, Otara, who we signed from Lorient, um, he is, I mean, he's the real deal <laughs> in terms of uh, creation of chances. He's very quick, uh, and he sort of cut, he, he goes out. He, he's a right winger, but he'll cut in. He can he can play on either wing, but I think we've been using him mostly on the right. And he sort of cuts back in. Uh, we're yet. I don't think he's scored yet, but he has had a number of assists, particularly at home. Um, so that would be a player to to keep an eye out for. Um, the other player that, that, that personally has impressed me out of the January signings is uh, is Traore. Uh, I am not sure if he's going to be fit for Saturday, um, but if he is, he uh, sort of plays just behind the striker uh, and kind of pulls all the strings. 
uh, and he looks very, very good. Um, as I said, both of these players and, and the rest of our recruitment has been really focused on uh, young players, sort of 2021, uh, mostly for the future, but um, they're really doing the job now. Uh, some of the better talent in, in Europe as well. No, I think that's a sensible strategy, of course. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of, um, I'm, I'm thinking here, given the outlay that we saw in January, uh, mm-hmm. was the expectation or is, is, is the expectation that, that those funds were supplied under the, uh, the premise that, um, Bournemouth would escape relegation this season? Or do you think those signings were made with a sort of a long, a long strategy in mind that regardless of what happens this season, they're the right profile of players that we want to be sort of signing for the club to build? Uh, and rebuild if if required. Yeah, I think it's the the signings that we made can make an impact now, which I think was key. But I do think uh, if if you're signing the sort of player that we have in January with where we are in the table, that there must be an understanding in place, particularly with some of them. So Traore, for example, was signed on loan uh, with a, an obligation to buy in the summer. So it's pretty likely that he's been, the situation has been explained to him, you know, what could happen. Uh, Or at least I hope that's the case. Uh, I do think Foley is is of the mind that we can stay up and that's why he's spent 80 million. But I do think they've been quite prudent about it in buying in this, these young players, as opposed to sometimes a trap you can fall in is to buy uh, overpay for players that might save you this year but if they don't you're kind of stuck with this white elephant player that you can't do anything with you he's got no no resale value yeah um and you know he perhaps didn't keep you up uh and then you're in trouble you've got all these wages and that's sort of the trap that uh some teams have fallen into right so i think from a, a fan point of view it, it's nice to see we've invested in those players then you know, if the worst happens and we go down and someone like Utara says, actually, uh, you know, I, I think I'm good enough for the Premier League. I'd like to move on. We're not going to make a loss on him, even though we've only had him for six months. Like someone's going to need to pay more than we paid in January to get him right. Mm. And in terms of sort of the new owner and uh, how how fans have perceived the new owner so far, you mentioned that there's sort of that history of uh, involvement in sports organisations in the US. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I think just just out of interest in terms of sort of how the the owner is engaged, given he was replacing such a long-standing figure, um, what have you made of sort of the way in which they've uh, they've acted? Uh, so I, I'm very pro Foley and and what he has done, and he's he's come in very. Uh, you know, very early in his tenure and said uh, very publicly, he's, he's, it's all out there for people to find and said, look, this is my goals for the next X years um, that he wants to re to build us a new stadium. He wants to improve the infrastructure and the the training facilities. He wants to get us to a youth level category one um, to, to, so that we're not losing some of our best youth players to bigger academies. And he wants to improve us on the pitch. Um, the other thing that he's done is he's brought in experts that were perhaps we didn't have in the club before um, that, are, that know how to market a sports team to people that are not fans of the club currently. 
Now, they may be the corporate sponsors that obviously you need to grow, uh, particularly under the modern football financial climate. You, you need to be having these all these sponsors paying you money so that you can pay for the best football players, regardless of Premier League income. Uh, so he's brought a lot of that in. Um, he's also, there's been a real push, I think, to win over local fans that perhaps were a little bit disenfranchised. And that's not, not to say anything negative on their past ownership group. I think they were fabulous. And, you know, we, we owe them a huge debt as a fan base. But some of the stuff they just didn't do, like in, we've had people go to some of the local bars and make sure that they've got, uh, you know, Bournemouth shirts on the on the walls and stuff like that. You know, th those little things. So I, I think they're really trying. Um, I do think that there's going to be some more fan engagement perhaps over the summer as well, uh, as well as uh, Bill Foley. We've also got uh, Michael Jordan, uh, the Hollywood actor involved as well. So he uh, has been it's been very sort of lightly floated that there might be something there as well that, you know, comes to fruition. So perhaps a, a documentary or something as is, is in vogue at the moment. Michael Jordan as in um, Michael B. Jordan. Yes. Wow. I didn't realize I, I did not realize that. And yeah, he's all over the place at the moment, given his um, what is it? That Creed Creed Three yeah, that's Creed. come out as well, which hasn't, hasn't done too bad at the box office. Q, no, Q fans asking him. Go on, Neil. Yeah. I was going to say there's footage of him on uh, I think it's James Corden saying talking about Bournemouth. Oh yeah. Okay. Fantastic. Well, yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm sure, like, uh, unfortunately, quite soon for him, uh, fans are going to be looking at sort of the, the box office for Creed 3 and asking where that money is in terms of, in terms of investment into transfers and everything like that. But that's, I mean, it's, it's, it's fantastic exposure for the club, as you, as you say, and, um, yes. marketing the club in a more, uh, like modern and intelligent way is going to be, um, fascinating to see sort of what their plans are for, for the club. Uh, in, in terms of performances this season, you mentioned a few earlier on that you, you know, were proud of and sort of um, other performances that sort of pointed to the issues that Bournemouth have had this season. Um, if you were to pick out a few that you think, well, you know, these are the performances that do show us at our best um, and, and, and and these were the performances that actually sort of highlighted the issue, I suppose, and maybe some of the naivety we've seen of late with sort of the um, the manager, um, what, what games sort of stick in your mind? So, as I mentioned, the Forest game, I think that was the apex of the season for, for me anyway mm. any time you come back from a 2-0 down obviously yeah, it's fabulous uh in terms of other games now that we what we have done very well and i think it does somewhat reflect in the league table i know it's not pretty for us at the moment but um i think in part that is because of the run of fixtures that we're currently on so uh, we've just come off the back of Man City at home, Arsenal away, and now yourselves. Um, it was always going to be a case of, right, let's just kind of hold on a little bit <laughs> and, and not be adrift after those our fixtures open up a little bit after here uh, in terms of games where we should perhaps be looking to get points. Um, I think the other game, and it's perhaps a bit more recently, because uh, was the Wolves game. So we played Wolves away uh, just before the City game, so three games ago. And we we won one nil, and it was it was not a pretty game by any stretch of the imagination, but it was one of those games that, as a team looking down as opposed to up, we a had to win. I, I felt it was a must win game uh, with these fixtures that we're now in, and we kind of 
we, we actually were able to grind out that one nil win. It wasn't pretty. The Wolves fans got their got their necks up because uh, we we time wasted like you know any team would in that situation, uh, and it wasn't pretty to watch. But they got the job done, and we're in that part of the season where that's all we need to do is is get the job done um, against these 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 clubs around us and and in the mix, um, which we've got to run as a set of fixtures now coming up where. Uh, we've got sort of the West Ham's and your Leeds and your Aston Villa, the, the teams in the lower half of the of the table, uh, where we need to start picking up picking up some more points. Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa, he does Anfield Index. He presents a Tad Predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL Roundtable, there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter, at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah, no, actually, one game I mean that uh, stood out to me, and I won't claim to have watched lots and lots of Bournemouth this season, but I was particularly impressed by the intensity shown and some of the attacking play shown in the Newcastle game, to be honest, I thought you actually were probably unlucky to to draw that game in the end. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think some of those, uh, we've been quite unlucky this season. And I know it's always really easy to say when you're in a negative position to say, well, we've been particularly unlucky. Um, I think we've been unluckier than most in that. Uh, I think I saw a stat the other day that our clubs, Liverpool and Bournemouth, are the only two teams in the Premier League not to have won a penalty this year. Oh, yeah, you're with um, them, are you? <laughs> yeah. yeah, so, which is incredible, really. I mean, I know people joke that we don't get in the box that much, but some of the decisions that we've had, I, I won't go into depth, uh, we should have had some, and then there's others that are just uh, playing wrong, and I'm sure Liverpool have some as well uh, that, that are the same, um, that, that changed things. Uh, Newcastle away in particular, I think, had a few from from memory. But um, yeah, I think that the performances are starting to be there now. Even against Arsenal, there was a reason we went 2-0 up and it was that sort of intensity creation uh, that we had. But the problem was we, going back to what I said about perhaps the naivety and, and inexperience of O'Neill, was I think we tried to hang on to the 2-0 too early. And uh, when they scored, it was about 61st minute. And my immediate reaction was, oh, dear, we've I think we've scored two. We've conceded too early uh, here in, in that uh, when you're trying to hang on for something. Yeah. So I, I think, you know, that that first 60 minutes, again, if we if we score in that and we're in a positive place, then I think we could, we, we, we always give ourselves a chance. But it's just, uh, yeah, it's just that falling off at the moment. Yeah, and no, I remember watching the game uh, against Arsenal myself as well. And I just, yeah, I, I had similar thoughts to you. I was like, oh, that's, that's that. Unfortunately, I was like the perfect time for Arsenal to be able to score, and then they got plenty of time to to pile on pressure. Um, yeah, but, uh, yeah. I think I think as you say, whenever you try and hold on to a lead like that a bit too early, 
um, and don't throw punches. It can can come back to bite you. In in terms of like as you said, the, this rough run of fixtures at the moment: uh, City, Arsenal, Liverpool. Um, in, in terms of your upcoming fixtures, I mean, is there is, is there a group where you think okay, this is going to be vital that we pick up points during this patch? Yeah, so I think I really think it's it's actually so uh, after this weekend, um, we our next f- following fixtures, uh, we've got Aston Villa away, and then we've got Fulham at home, uh, Brighton at home, Leicester away, uh, then we've got Spurs, but then we've got uh, after Spurs we've got West Ham at home, Southampton away. So out of those next few, there's really only maybe two you would say that we perhaps don't have much chance like with Brighton playing as they are at the moment and, and Spurs away is always going to be a difficult fixture as well. But you've got to look at uh, Villa away. Okay. Maybe not a win, but perhaps we could get a point there. Uh, Fulham at home, Leicester could, that totally depends which Leicester turns up. Uh, West Ham at home and Southampton away in particular are going to be huge. Uh, They're both obviously down in the mire with us. So uh, Mm. we need to win those. Yeah, and then we've got Leeds after that. No, of course. And when you do look at the table, you sort of realise just how tight it is at the at the bottom of the table. I mean, it's like one win for for Bournemouth would take them immediately out of the um, of the relegation zone and above uh, above Leeds. Uh, actually, I think yeah, to, to go above West Ham as well. Actually, such has been their form yeah. as well. So it's it's um, yeah, it's by no means a, a done deal. It, 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 you're right, and and there was a period on Saturday. Uh, where we were, I think, as high as 15th at one point. Uh, and then wow. obviously as it, the results came in and other results happened, we then dropped to, to 20th. But I think that was really the key for me over these three fixtures and some of the ones before as well, like, like Newcastle. I, I, you know, I wasn't, didn't go into that game expecting a point um, where my, my thought process was, OK, let's get past the Liverpool fixture and not be adrift. And if we can do that, then our fixtures open up. We start to have be able to build some momentum to the season. Now, hopefully, the performances are looking better. The fixtures are about to start looking better. And the worst case scenario on um, Saturday is that we're four points adrift, which really isn't a, a mountain to climb. Uh, that's very doable. Uh, and that would mean that I think uh, I think Leeds or Leeds or West Ham would need to to win uh, I can't remember who they've got at the weekend but I think it's I remember looking at it going th- and thinking you know they may not yeah Leeds have got Brighton they've got Brighton home, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I can't see who West Ham have got I suppose West Ham have got the, uh, got a Europa League game and then they've got Villa yeah so there's it's and and Southampton have got uh, Manchester United away Wolves have got Newcastle away so I, I think even being pessimistic about our chances on Saturday, uh, I, I would like to think that maybe we're only still two or three points adrift as opposed to even four, which I think would be a very good situation for us uh, going into this more positive run of fixtures. Yeah, I think you're right there. In terms of sort of when you're dealing with this sort of battle, the most important thing is just to not be cut too far adrift, as you say. We, we've seen sides in the past really signal very early on that they're sort of by... Um, by far and away, sort of the worst sides in the league, and I, I don't think it looks that way um, at the moment for the sides down there. And uh, out of interest, I mean, of what you've seen of the sides around you, um, 
uh, sort of battling um, with you in, in, in this relegation fight at the moment as a Southampton, Everton, mm-hmm. Leeds, West Ham. You mentioned that Leicester are not far out, out of this, to be honest, as well. Um, which of those do you think actually uh, are are beatable in terms of actually that you think that uh, you're playing better football and actually um, you could sort of beat them to the punch when it comes to sort of surviving this season? I mean, I think if you look at the table, anyone from uh, from sort of mid table down is is beatable um, this this season. And uh, you know, some teams are obviously going to have better than others. Uh, we're also starting to get into the period of the season where a team like an Aston Villa might start playing in flip flops, um, where they they're not going to go down, but they're probably not going to challenge for Europe or do anything like that. So we're starting to get into that sort of sit part of the season as well, where we may want it more than some of the other teams that are a, a little bit above us. But I, I would say anyone realistically from Palace down, going into that fixture, I wouldn't feel like we're strong underdogs um, and that we could get something. Um, I think in terms of the teams directly above us that you would most people would see is in that battle. So Leicester, West Ham, Leeds, Everton, Saints and us. Mm. Uh, I think on our day we could be any one of those. So uh, yeah. it's just just about keeping that touching distance. Yeah, you do look at the fixtures as well. I, I, I don't think it will come down to this, but you, you look at that last game of the season as well, Everton versus yeah. uh, Bournemouth um, and sort of the... The opportunity to do the double over Everton, uh, which of course everybody, uh, most people listen to this show will sort of be very sort of, uh, the, yeah. The treble. treble Rooted, over them. Oh, the we, treble. Uh, you did the cup as well. Yeah. Yeah. We did the double over them, uh, just before the break. Was it just before or just after the uh, World Cup? Um, where we beat them twice in a week. God bless, God bless Lampard. It's been, it's been, it's been, a, it's been a great time. Uh, in, in terms of the game this weekend, then, I mean, uh, it's it's an interesting season, of course, for Liverpool in that, that there's been plenty of points this season where Liverpool have looked uh, beleaguered, sort of fragile, mm-hmm. um, looked to have no real discernible pattern to their play, which has been sort of the biggest concern for me at different points this season. Thankfully, actually, that it does seem uh, over the past few games and taking the, the scoreline at Old Trafford uh, at Anfield against United out of it, um, I think more the, the actual... Uh, discernible patterns on, on display against United and the approach was, I think, to be honest, was, was, was most encouraging. Yes, I love seven goals. That's, a, of course, that is very nice against Manchester United. I do very much sure. enjoy that I'm seeing my friends say they can't wear their United shirts in the gym for a little bit longer. That's, that's great. But in terms of, um, sort of Liverpool looking a little bit more like themselves, uh, I, I imagine that you wouldn't, wouldn't have changed Bournemouth's approach to this game, uh, either way. But uh, how do you think um, Bournemouth are going to approach this um, uh, game at home uh, on Saturday? It's a difficult one because the, 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 traditionally what Gary O'Neill has done against the, the, the bigger clubs, and we saw it against Arsenal, is perhaps a five at the back. I think he could be because, uh, you know, like you said, it depends what Liverpool turns up on, on Saturday. Um we could see us be a little bit more aggressive perhaps and go with a, a, a bit more of a, a four at the back and try and um, try and be a little bit more on the front foot. That That's where we've looked better this season, in my opinion. Uh, so I, that would be what I would hope for. I do think, uh, I always think of any game uh, against the, the, the big six uh, as almost a free hit, especially at home. Uh, you don't, 
pencil it in as any points uh, at the start of the season when you're when you're a Bournemouth or, or anyone in the bottom half. Uh, if you get something obviously fantastic, uh, and I, you know, I'm, I'm sure uh, some Liverpool fans won't thank me for for reminding them of some of the games we've had at Dean Court in the past, uh, where we where we have got got results and it's been fantastic games. So that that's that's kind of all what I'm hoping for, um, but I'm I, I'm cautiously. Um, I guess pessimistic about about the about the game on Saturday. Mm. And given what you have seen at Liverpool this season, are, are there are there particular players? I mean, there's the obvious names, I think. Well, um, mm. but are, are, are there particular players that you think are, or you're not, not looking forward to facing in terms of what you think are the biggest dangers um, from from Liverpool side? I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super-fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package which includes a 48-hour no-obligation-free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac, and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, magboxes, and games consoles. Visit LibertyShield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. Yeah, I mean, obviously the, the obvious um, being being Salah, he absolutely always uh, opens us up. But I mean, he does that to any of the, you know, insert club name here, right? Uh, but I do think, and I was aware of Gakpo before he obviously moved across, and I'm a little bit nervous now that he's kind of got going <laughs> uh, against against United. Um, so a player like that with, with perhaps something to prove. I mean, uh, I haven't followed Liverpool super closely, but my mm. understanding is he's been perhaps a little bit pilloried by Liverpool fans. Um someone like that that's maybe got a point to prove that that's what worries me about the big six mm. and i think that's the the perfect storm that happened in the a return fixture at anfield uh was that was that sort of point to prove right because you'd just come off the back of the other man U result, yes yeah uh and you were in a bit of a slump and uh, normally a big six club you come to a team like bournemouth you you score four goals or three goals and you kind of just say well you know the the game's won rest people but you just didn't stop because <laughs> mm. obviously everyone had points to prove and I do worry if a player like that might have something to, to prove yeah that was an interesting thing about the game against United actually that yeah I think you're right in in the past I've seen sort of sides declare you know on like 4-0 or 5-0 yeah. or whatever and then do the sensible thing but I think such has been this season that that was just a complete outlet of um 
frustration. Uh, and fortunately for for Liverpool, it was at the at the expense of some of their worst rivals, which is which was great yes. to see. Uh, when I was thinking about the highlights of, of that nine 0 actually, the, the, I, I, I didn't realize, of course, that Luis Diaz was available for Liverpool at that stage of the season. He's he's, he's missed and probably will miss the majority of this season, recovering from a. A uh, relapse uh, after an injury that he he suffered. It's, it's, it's interesting that you mentioned Gakpo because I think yeah, just to, to answer your question there, I think he 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 arrived at a time where I think everybody uh, from the Liverpool side of things thought, well, surely we're going to buy a midfielder. Surely there's going to be a midfielder coming in because that was uh, the big gaping hole in the side. And then uh, this you know, talented young forward comes in, but we go, okay, well, that's not real, really what we thought we needed. Uh, and then it takes a bit of time to adjust, and it's. Yeah, he he seems to be being molded to become a little bit like Firmino, Firmino lights or whatever. So, um, seems a very intelligent player to be honest. I'm not, I'm still not entirely convinced just how much of a goal scorer he he will turn out to be, despite his recent form. But looks a really intelligent system player actually, or actually a player that could make the system function. So yeah, I think he's, he's going to be an interesting one. And there's and there's of course there's the the usual chaos that you associate with um with Nunez as well. But um yeah. in, in terms of your expectations then for your expectations for the remainder of the season, I suppose, and sort of where you think fans' heads are at right at this stage. Um where do you think fans' heads and hearts are at um if we were to ask them uh, today about the remainder of the season? I think most uh a kind of being uh, hoping for the best but preparing for the worst i think there is a fair amount of i don't want to say acceptance but uh, that that you know that that we could go down here um mm. and there's a lot of semi looking forward to the championship again uh, i think you know a lot of people perhaps somewhat prefer it whatever um but uh, i do think that there is still an element in the fan base that thinks we can we can still pull through. Uh, I'm one of those. I'm I, I'm not necessarily pro the manager, and I think we will have a different manager next season, regardless. But I do think the I just think with the fixtures that we have and the fact we've not been cut adrift, I think that's that's the key for me. Uh, and if we can improve, get some of these players back from injury that are now starting to return, like we went a large period of the game of the. Um, of the season without Solanke, which was huge for us. Um, while he's not really been in the goals this year, uh, he ha- he just is a real linchpin of our attack. Uh, and you really noticed it when he wasn't there. So he's now back. Um, so perhaps may- maybe, you know, uh, biting the hand that once fed him on, on Saturday. Uh, I'm-, I'm sure he'd love that. But um, yeah, I- I'm, I guess I'm-, I'm cautiously optimistic. I think it's going to go right down to the death though. You mentioned there, sort of like expecting a different manager uh, next season, um, mm-hmm. regardless of what happens. In, in terms of what kind of manager you think is would be the best for this group of players, I mean, what what, what kind of manager do you think uh, would fit with the vision of the club? I think we'll make an appointment that is uh, progressive. So I, I can see us going for uh, a younger manager that likes to be likes to have sort of a a possessive attacking style of football that that's sort of the Bournemouth brand uh whereas recently and and basically since Eddie left to be honest we've been very defensive um Parker certainly was a very defensive first coach um so I can see us going for someone of that mind I do think 
we may see the first and, and off the top of my head it's the first anyway non uh british coach for bournemouth we've never had one at least not one i can think of um so i think that might be something that we look at a couple of the names that i was interested in in this sort of initial chase were uh nutson i think it is who's uh in norway um at the moment and then i think it wouldn't surprise me as well if there was maybe we looked at jesse marsh as well uh with the american link well, jesse marsh is an interesting one yeah i think he's been on a been on a bit of a journey himself actually into the sort of his yeah. uh his his time in um time in austria time in germany as well and uh yeah it's um hmm, it's gonna be interesting to see how he uh how he develops as well but anyway neil thank you so much yeah. for for coming on and for giving us your your perspective um on on bournemouth this season and i think as you say there at the end like that that acceptance feels a bit premature to me from some i think there's there's mm. plenty to be played for given the points that the, the sides are on at the bottom of the league at the moment i think it's not i i'm not seeing any like spectacular sides in and around you that i think are going to going to find themselves away from you uh, anytime soon so yeah i'll definitely be rooting for you for the remainder of the season Thank you. Yes, yeah, been a been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much. And uh, for all those who've like continued to listen to to Rival Recon throughout the season, thank you so much. It's been yeah tough at times, but I'm sure everyone enjoyed the last the last fixture, of course, against uh, against United. And and that little anecdote about my friend not being able to, well, not being comfortable to go to the gym yet uh, in his uh, his Man United kit. That's always uh, always good to do. Um, there's going to be a little bit of a break now uh, in between uh, this pod and the next, given the uh, sort of uh, break that we have. Uh, the, the next rival recon will come back actually ahead of a, a hell of a fixture though. It's going to be uh, for the Manchester City versus Liverpool fixture on the 1st of April. So do tune in for that um, then. But between now and then, uh, all, all the other great content on Avid Index Pro, do check it out. And yeah, we'll see you ahead of that trip to Manchester City. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.